Chapter 32 of The Four Feathers. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by David Wolf. The Four Feathers by A. E. W. Mason. Chapter 32 In the Church at Glenalla. Ethne sat down in the corner of a pew next to the aisle, and Feversham took his stand beside her. It was very quiet and peaceful within that tiny church. The afternoon sun shone through the upper windows and made a golden haze about the roof. The natural murmurs of the summer floated pleasantly through the open door. I am glad that you remembered our drive and what we said, she continued. It is rather important to me that you should remember, because although I have you back, I am going to send you away from me again. You will be one of the absent friends whom I shall not lose because you are absent. She spoke slowly, looking straight in front of her without faltering. It was a difficult speech for her to deliver, but she had thought it over night and day during the last fortnight, and the words were ready to her lips. At the first sight of Harry Feversham, recovered to her after so many years, so much suspense, so much suffering, it had seemed to her that she never would be able to speak them, however necessary it was that they should be spoken but as they stood over against one another she had forced herself to remember that necessity until she actually recognized and felt it then she had gone back into the church and taken a seat and gathered up her strength it would be easier for both of them she thought if she should give no sign of what so quick a separation cost her he would know surely enough and she wished him to know she wished him to understand that not one moment of his six years so far as she was concerned, had been spent in vain, but that could be understood without the signs of emotion. So she spoke her speech, looking steadily straightforward and speaking in an even voice. I know that you will mind very much, just as I do, but there is no help for it, she resumed. At all events, you are at home again, with the right to be at home. It is a great comfort to me to know that, but there are other, much greater reasons from which we can both take comfort. Colonel Trench told me enough of your captivity to convince me that we both see with the same eyes. We both understand that this second parting, hard as it is, is still a very slight, small thing compared with the other, our first parting over at the house six years ago. I felt very lonely after that, as I shall not feel lonely now. There was a great barrier between us then, separating us forever. We should never have met again, here or afterwards. I am quite sure of that but you have broken that barrier down by all your pain and bravery during these last years. I am no less sure of that. I am absolutely confident about it, and I believe you are too, so that although we shall not see one another here and as long as we live, the afterwards is quite sure for us both, and we can wait for that. You can. You have waited with so much strength all these years since we parted, and I can too, for I get strength from your victory. She stopped and for a while there was silence in that church. To Feversham her words were gracious as rain upon dry land. To hear her speak them uplifted him so that those six years of trial, of slinking into corners out of the sight of his fellows, of lonely endurance, of many heart-sinkings and much bodily pain, dwindled away into insignificance. They had indeed borne their fruit to him. For Ethne had spoken in a gentle voice just what his ears had so often longed to hear as he lay awake at night in the bazaar at Sukan, in the Nile villages, in the dim wide spaces of the desert, and what he had hardly dared to hope she would ever speak. He stood quite silently by her side, 
still hearing her voice though the voice had ceased long ago there were certain bitter words which she had spoken and he had told such so closely had they clung and stung that he believed in his dying moments he would hear them again and so go to his grave with their reproaches ringing in his ears he remembered that prediction of his now and knew that it was false the words he would hear would be those which she had just uttered for ethne's proposal that they should separate he was not unprepared he had heard already that she was engaged and he did not argue against her wish but he understood that she had more to say to him and she had but she was slow to speak it this was the last time she was to see harry feversham she meant resolvedly to send him away when once he had passed through the church door through which the sunlight and the summer murmurs came and his shadow gone from the threshold she would never talk with him or set her eyes on him until her life was ended so she deferred the moment of his going by silences and slow speech it might be so very long before that end came she had she thought the right to protract this one interview she rather hoped that he would speak of his travels his dangers she was prepared to discuss at length with him even the politics of the soudan but he waited for her i am going to be married she said at length and immediately i am to marry a friend of yours colonel durrance there was hardly a pause before feversham answered he has cared for you a long while i was not aware of it until i went away but thinking over everything i thought it likely and in a very little time i became sure he is blind blind exclaimed feversham he of all men blind exactly he of all men his blindness explains everything why i marry him why i send you away it was after he went blind that i became engaged to him it was before captain willoughby came to me with the first feather it was between those two events you see after you went away one thought over things rather carefully i used to lie awake and think and i resolved that two men's lives should not be spoilt because of me mine was not feversham interrupted please believe that partly it was she returned i know very well you would not own it for my sake but it was i was determined that a second should not be and so when colonel durrance went blind you know the man he was you can understand what blindness meant to him the loss of everything he cared for except you yes ethne answered quietly except me so i became engaged to him but he has grown very quick you cannot guess how quick and he sees so very clearly a hint tells him the whole hidden truth at present he knows nothing of the four feathers are you sure suddenly exclaimed feversham yes why asked ethne turning her face towards him for the first time since she had sat down lieutenant such was at selkin while i was at omdurman he knew that i was a prisoner there he sent messages to me he tried to organize my escape ethne was startled oh she said colonel durrance certainly knew that you were in omdurman he saw you in wadi halfa and he heard that you had gone south into the desert he was distressed about it he asked a friend to get news of you and the friend got news that you were in omdurman he told me so himself and yes he told me that he would try to arrange for your escape he has been at weisbaden with an occultist he only returned a week ago otherwise he would have told me about it very likely he was the reason why lieutenant such was at sokin but he knows nothing of the four feathers he only knows that our engagement was abruptly broken off he believes that i no longer have any thought of you at all but if you come back if you and i saw anything of each other however calmly we met however indifferently we spoke he would guess he is so quick he would be sure to guess she paused for a moment and added in a whisper and he would guess right 
Feversham saw the blood flush her forehead and deepen the color of her cheeks. He did not move from his position. He did not bend towards her, or even in a voice give any sign that would make this leave-taking yet more difficult to carry through. Yes, I see, he said, and he must not guess. No, he must not, returned Ethne. I am so glad you see that too, Harry. The straight and simple thing is the only thing for us to do. He must never guess, for, as you said, he has nothing left but me. Is Durance here? asked Feversham. He is staying at the vicarage. Very well, he said. It is only fair that I should tell you that I had no thought that you would wait. I had no wish that you should. I had no right to such a wish. When you gave me that fourth feather in the little room at Remelton, with the music coming faintly through the door, I understood your meaning. There was to be a complete, an irrevocable end. We were not to be the merest acquaintances. So I said nothing to you of the plan which came clear and definite into my mind at the very time when you gave me the feathers. You see, I might never have succeeded. I might have died trying to succeed. I might even perhaps have shirked the attempt. It would be time enough for me to speak if I came back. So I never formed any wish that you should wait. That is what Colonel Trench told me. I told him that, too, on your first night in the House of Stone. Well, it's just the truth, the most I hoped for, and I did hope for that every hour of every day, was that, if I did come home, you would take back your feather, and that we might not renew our friendship here, but see something of one another afterwards. Yes, said Ethne, then there will be no party. Ethne spoke very simply, without even a sigh. But she looked at Harry Feversham as she spoke and smiled. The look and the smile told him what the cost of the separation would be to her. And, understanding what it meant now, he understood with an infinitely greater completeness than he ever reached in his lonely communings what it must have meant six years ago when she was left with her pride stricken as solely as her heart. "'What trouble you must have gone through!' he cried. And she turned and looked him over. "'Not I alone,' she said gently. I passed no nights in the House of Stone. But it was my fault. Do you remember what you said when the morning came through the blinds? It's not right that one should suffer so much pain. It was not right. I had forgotten the words, oh, a long time since, until Colonel Trench reminded me. I should never have spoken them. When I did, I was not thinking they would live so in your thoughts. I am sorry that I spoke them. Oh, they were just enough. I never blamed you for them, said Feversham with a laugh. I used to think that they would be the last words I should ever hear when I turned my face to the wall. But you have given me others today wherewith to replace them. Thank you, she said quietly. There was nothing more to be said, and Feversham wondered why Ethne did not rise from her seat in the pew. It did not occur to him to talk of his travels or adventures. The occasion seemed too serious, too vital. They were together to decide the most solemn issues in their lives. Once the decision was made, as now it had been made, he felt that they could hardly talk on other topics. Ethne, however, still kept him at her side. Though she sat so calmly and still, though her face was quiet in its look of gravity, her heart ached with longing. Just for a little longer, she pleaded to herself. The sunlight was withdrawing from the walls of the church. She measured out a space upon the walls where it still glowed bright. When all that space was cold gray stone, she would send Harry Feversham away. I am glad that you escaped from Omdurman without the help of Lieutenant Such or Colonel Durrance. I wanted so much that everything should be done by you alone without anybody's help or interference. She said, and after she had spoken, there followed a silence. Once or twice she looked towards the wall, 
and each time she saw the space of golden light narrowed and knew that her minutes were running out you suffered horribly at dongola she said in a low voice colonel trench told me what does it matter now feversham answered that time seems rather far away to me had you anything of mine with you i had your white feather but anything else any little thing which i had given you in the other days nothing i had your photograph she said i kept it feversham suddenly leaned down towards her you did ethne nodded her head yes the moment i went upstairs that night i packed up your presents and addressed them to your rooms yes i got them in london but i put your photograph aside first of all to keep i burnt all your letters after i had addressed the parcel and taken it down the hall to be sent away i had just finished burning your letters when i heard your steps upon the gravel in the early morning beneath my windows but i had already put your photograph aside i have it now i shall keep it and the feathers together she added after a moment i rather wish you had something of mine with you all the time i had no right to anything said feversham there was still a narrow slip of gold upon the gray space of stone what will you do now she asked i shall go home first and see my father it will depend upon the way we meet you will let colonel durrance know i would like to hear about it yes i will write to durrance the slip of gold was gone the clear light of a summer evening filled the church a light without radiance or any color i shall not see you for a long while said ethne and for the first time her voice broke into a sob i shall not have a letter from you again she leaned a little forward and bent her head for the tears had gathered in her eyes but she rose up bravely from her seat and together they went out of the church side by side she leaned towards him as they walked so that they touched feversham untied his horse and mounted it as his foot touched the stirrup ethne caught her dog close to her good-bye she said she did not now even try to smile she held out her hand to him he took it and bent down from his saddle close to her she kept her eyes steadily upon him through the tears brimmed in them good-bye he said he held her hand for just a little while and then releasing it rode down the hill he rode for a hundred yards stopped and looked back ethne had stopped too and with this space between them and their faces towards one another they remained ethne made no sign of recognition or farewell she just stood and looked then she turned away and went up the village street towards her house alone and very slowly feversham watched her till she went in at the gate but she became dim and blurred to his vision before even she had reached it he was able to see however that she did not look back again he rode down the hill the bad thing which he had done so long ago was not even by his six years of labor to be destroyed it was still to live its consequence was to be sorrow until the end of life for another than himself that she took the sorrow bravely and without complaint doing the straight and simple thing as her loyal nature bade her did not diminish harry feversham's remorse on the contrary it taught him yet more clearly that she least of all deserved unhappiness the harm was irreparable other women might have forgotten but not she for ethne was of those who neither lightly feel nor lightly forget and if they love cannot love with half a heart she would be alone now he knew in spite of her marriage alone up to the very end and at the actual moment of death end of chapter thirty two